I'm so um, excited and moved by what God is doing uh, in the church, um, and it's, it's something way bigger than we can um, understand or see at the moment, but uh, in the next, in the coming months, we're going to see things unfold uh, where we honestly will see the, the church that Jesus is building arise uh, as a powerful, powerful uh, um, love bomb. Actually, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a people that are so in love with Jesus. And um, if I was to to put it in one short little sentence about um, the vision, the values, and the culture of twenty four seven, it's just to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus, and to be the love of God uh, in the earth. And uh, a lot of I know a lot of you here, you know, have only been in, in at 24/7 for a shorter while, but for those that were here for longer, they remember in our previous building, uh, as you walked into the building, there was a scripture that you looked at straight on the wall in front of us, and then when we went into the auditorium on the actual back wall of the building, there was another scripture, and, and I woke up this morning just with those two scriptures on my heart, so I just want to read them out to you because they're important. Um, also, the heart of 24/7, where the name came from of, of being the church 24-7, um, but the mission statement of love lived out. Um, we all have been transformed as believers into the love of God, and it's now uh, tw- 24 hours, seven days a week, not uh, choosing when and how and where, but just simply being an expression of the love of God. Amen. And so if you want to turn quickly to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, these are, are, are two very important scriptures. It's, it's literally um, what God laid on Jane and I's heart at the time. Um, and it's chapter 3, verse 14. If you're just reading from verse 12, you'll see God said, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. It's beautiful. Bearing with one another... Uh, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And then verse 14, it says, And above all these things, above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Above everything else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you want perfect harmony then express love, because true love will bring and bind everything together. Um, and then 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and just for the sake of time, I'll just skip straight to the verse, um, that's verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, and the aim of our charge is love. The aim is love, and it's love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Amen. Two very, very powerful scriptures, and I do want to say this, that God, who is love and light, the two uh, clear expressions in the Bible where He states uh, something of His character and His nature to us, in God is love, God is light. God in His love creates man so that he could have fellowship 
and so that he could be a family. But he didn't just do that to have fellowship in a family. He also created man in his image. He wanted to multiply himself. He wanted to multiply love. He wanted to have this, this uh, beautiful family of, of love kids, love children, <laughs> and, and just a multiplication of, the, of his nature and who he is, right? And obviously, um, the enemy got very jealous. He was very upset um, because um, he was no longer one of those. Um, and, uh, and he tried to sneak in and to rob man of his identity, of his destiny, of what he was called to, right? Um, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to just go quickly through this. And then, so man lost his identity and lost his destiny of being in the expression that God wanted him to be, and that's love, right? And Jesus comes to restore that back. Now, how do I know that? Because relig what religion kind of focuses on is sin, Kind of says, listen, you bunch of sinners, um, Jesus had to come because of your sin, and he came because you're sinners, and the wages of sin is death, so Jesus had to come and he had to die. Now, yes, we were sinners, and we did sin, and Jesus had to come, and he had to die because the wages of sin is death, but he didn't come for sinners, he came for lost sons and daughters. He never gives, just think of this, if I had to say to you today, um, um, who's willing to pay a million rand for my Bible? Any takers? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got a few more at home. So. <laughs> the reality is you, you only pay for what it's worth, right? It's value. Right? So if we were just sinners, worthless, scrappy sinners, um, and God gave everything, right? So we must first understand that, that Jesus coming and dying on the cross wasn't just for our sin. It was to redeem us back to our rightful identity and who we are in Him, right? It's very, very important, this. How do I also know that? Well, God could have just come along, popped in, bing, rode on the clouds, and then um, because the wages of sin is death, he had to die. So come and said, all right, kill me, pay the price, whatever, and that sin sorted out. Sin sorted out. That's what sin does to you. Sin! Sin just sorted out. You! Um, so, but what Christ does, which depicts to us an understanding, and very quickly, is that he came as God, he came down to this earth in the form of a seed in, a, in Mary's womb to spend nine months in confinement um, as God uh, to be birthed, to be birthed in a, in a smelly place, in, a, in, a, in a, an obscure place, to be nurtured as a little child as we all go through all the processes that we all do. This is God, right? I mean, just if you spend a little bit of time on this, it blows your fuses completely kaput. That God, remember it's God, every step of the way he's like, okay, I've had enough of this now, right? Like, I'm not going to cry anymore for my body, I am God. <laughs> Enough's enough, I'll just organize my own takeaway, because I'm, no, this is God. He goes through all of this process, he lives a life that's pure, he lives a life that's sinless, it journeys all of that. There's a purpose, church, that he went through all of that, a life lived that's why Jesus loved the name Son of Man. 
He called the, the, his, the, the name that he used the most of himself was the Son of Man, not the Son of God. And, and let me just say this very quickly in the church because it is just a bun fight that, that happens every so often and is always in the life of the church. Well, was he fully God? Was he fully man? And how was he fully God? And then he was also fully man. And listen, according to the Word of God, he was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. Done deal. Finished. That's what the Word of God says. Right? I'm not, it's way above my pay grade to be having a chat and to negotiate uh, anything deeper than that, to be honest. Um, he was fully God. He never gave up his God, but he was fully man. And he operated as fully man so that he could say, follow me. If he's the son of God saying, follow me, all we can do is go, woohoo, awesome, congratulations, all the best. Because we're not God and we can't follow that. But as the son of man, when he says, follow me, and sitting at the right hand of God right now is not only the son of God, it's the son of of man, whoever lives to intercede on our behalf. But the reality is he took on the Son of Man, and my favorite scripture, I shared it earlier, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how um, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And we know that if he was God, um, then he would not need to be anointed, right? So the Son of Man, and, and, and he said Jesus, not Jesus, Son of God, he said Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of uh, Porfada Fontaine, Clippies Fontaine, um, so, man, no offense to anybody who comes from Clippies Fontaine or, or Porf Ara or anywhere like that. It's a brilliant place. Um, never been there, but it's a brilliant place. No. <laughs> Quickly, politically correct. Oh. Um, the reality is, is, sorry, darling, are you comfortable? All right. <laughs> um, so, so, Jesus goes through all of that. Because there's a reason that he had to journey all of that, because he could then say, follow me, and he could say, you can now come into and step into exactly the same, the same identity as me, right? That's why Jesus did it. So for us as the people of God, we, 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 we can study in the Word, 1 Corinthians 13, all these amazing things that we can do. You can give your body to be burned, you can know all the mysteries, you can stand up and prophesy and, and tell people all about this wonderful thing. Did I get excited in the first service? My voice is now, anyway. Try, try not to get excited. Okay. Um, so you can do all these wonderful things, and, but if you don't have love, it's nothing, right? That's what the Bible says. So at the end of the day, I can tell you the vision, I can tell you the values, the culture, all this, woo, 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 it's all great, but at the end of the day, it's nothing without love. And so it is nothing without a transformed life. We can fill every single building, every single seat in the whole of South Africa, um, and have every single church packed out and still nothing can, will change unless every single life has been transformed and has changed. See, that's the key. The key is actually the transformed and changed life. And when we talk about the life of Christ and what He went through, and we talk about the grace of God, the grace of God always must be connected to transformation. If it's not connected to transformation, it's perversion. It's perversion of truth. That's why people, they battle with the grace of God because there's this religious mindset of like, no, you're very light on sin. No, the grace of God is not light on sin, friends. It's the grace of God that causes us to change. To change. Karabashanda. I'm changing. It's the grace of God. 
It's the grace of God <laughs> that I can drink a glass of water. Okay. Lost my train of thought. So, so there, there has to be a, a transition. So when we talk about the grace of God, when I unpack something this morning, I just want us to understand that, that the Bible's not light on sin. Um, you know, religion wants you to make it, you, makes, you, makes you think that, oh, this is right because it's weighty and heavy on sin. God is weighty and heavy on sin. But not the way we understand and the way we think because He had to change our thinking. See, right from the beginning in the garden, when we took, partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we partook of it with, with a lack of understanding that to be disconnected from Him and to be totally dependent and reliant on Him was to cause us to completely change and to become completely and utterly messed up. And man got completely messed up, totally. And, and you just have to look around and look at all the stuff that's going on to know that how man can get really messed up. But God came to restore us back to that place. And the simple restoration place where He restores us back to is to take the heart of man, spirit and soul, and to allow it to be surrendered and yielded to the Spirit of God. It's a life surrendered and yielded to the Spirit of God. So even your mind, I want to encourage you today, in your mind, just simply surrender your thinking and your mind to the Spirit of God. To be spiritual as the people of God is to have a mind that's surrendered to Him. Not a mind that's trying to conform to a whole bunch of rules and regulations because that's control. And God's not into control, He's into relationship. He was always into relationship. From the beginning, He's always been into relationship. He's not trying to brainwash and conform us. So it's not about you sitting here today and me saying, this is the vision, this is the values. Now you conform, and now you do that, and then you've got 24-7 at your heart, and whoo, high five, and let's have a fist pump, and what have you. No, the reality is, there's a relationship with Jesus Christ, and as I'm yielded to Him, as I understand Him, understand who He is, understand what He's become to me, understand who He is inside of me, understand how He wants to express through my life, then, friends, I begin to operate and express love. Not I tick some boxes of, of, of stuff, right? So what I want to quickly share is, um, this journey, this journey of understanding requires our minds um, to be submitted to Holy Spirit and submitted to the will of God. See, that's, that's, there's the key, because a lot of the stuff that's said, um, it offends here. And even the stuff that we're saying, and, and it's hard to, to just share a bunch of, of things um, for you to catch it and, to, and to, to, to now journey it and do it. If you don't have love, and if you're not in relationship with Him, Amen. So I'm, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this well enough uh, as we journey a little bit here. So, and then maybe if you just, uh, oh, I love the scripture. Maybe just go to Colossians chapter one. I'll just, just tell you about my Jesus quickly. Um, it starts verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. It's awesome. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So I don't have enough time and enough words to explain that in its fullness. 
That is just unbelievably powerful. For by him all things were created. By him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. He's running out of things to, to explain to us of that everything is held together by Jesus. And Jesus is an authority of every single thing. And every single thing is totally dependent on Jesus. And it's a rebellion in the kingdom of God to ever try and come out of that dependence. And that's what man did. He wanted to be independent, which breaks the whole understanding, which is why he died, because he was now separated from life. Life is, a, is, is connected to God and the flow of God into all that we do. Without that, that's also why they had to kick them out of the garden. They kicked them out of the garden because God didn't want them to live forever in that fallen place. What's that fallen place? Simply man trying to do it himself. It's a fallen place. Actually, the Bible is all about us being yielded and dependent and totally surrendered to Him. It's never been about anything else. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. It's never been about right and wrong. It's been about yielding and getting dependent on Jesus Christ because He holds everything together. It's not about right and wrong. If you get into the whole thing of right and wrong, you end up with sides and, and it's messy. And Jesus is going, just simply yield because if you surrender and you're dependent and you yield to me, I can bring life into every single situation. Amen. Okay, so that's just so beautiful. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Jesus. Ha. So you know what the reality is? I want to see that rightly. That's, that's why we gather together. I am in love with him, wanting to be more in love with him, wanting to see him more and more and more, because it's the love of God. God loved us first. Before I can ever express anything, I need to understand and receive the love of God in my life, right? Amen. So when it comes to, maybe I should share, when it comes to, um, let's just say, God's love for us, obviously, the enemy knows that if he can attack our thinking, our mindset of God's love for me, then I will never be able to walk as the love of God. Because God first loved me. I have to receive the love of God in my life so that I can be an expression of the love of God. So he wants to attack my thinking about the love of God, right? And the reason why that he is able to attack this is because most people, they battle um, with the love of God because they're measuring the love of God based on how their life is working out. See, they, they're looking and they're going, well, how's my life doing whatever? And I'm not sure if God loves me. So once you got, you're not on a, on, a, on a solid ground, then he's got you. See, there's got to be solid ground. So he knows if people are actually looking at what's happening in their life and how they are doing as to whether God actually loves them. That's very shaky ground. And that's where he's tried to keep the church in that arena, in that shaky ground. See, in that particular place when we're trying to measure out what's happening in our lives, see, 
The Bible didn't promise that our lives would be hunky-dory and everything would be perfect. Sorry, that is not in the Bible. Um, everything, you'd be blessed, it's all going to go well, and everything's going to be great. No, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's what my Bible says. So the reality is if the enemy is on, trying to go on the um, grounds that, of where we, everything goes hunky-dory, um, can you see we're never going to be standing on solid ro rock, right? I hope I'm explaining it well. See, the, the reality, though, is that if we stand on that ground, then we often become a people that will be frustrated, disappointed, um, and at times without actually showing it, but just quietly, because um, God doesn't know when we're quiet in our own little small space. We actually get a little bit angry at God. We don't say it. We are a bit angry at God. See, and when you're in that particular place, you can never begin to operate in the relationship that God wants for you and I, because that person doesn't want to draw near. And that's why I want to just encourage you. I said it in the beginning and just come back very quickly. Just let me say this. God got a bad rap right from the word go from the very, first, the very beginning in the garden. When people have read the whole story of, of um, in Genesis chapter 3 of the fall of man and all that went on, what they come away with is that man messed up and God was really angry and kicked him out the garden. That's what they come away with. Kind of like, and so now for eternally God is this kind of really uh, kind of grumpy dad in heaven who's kind of ticked off that his kids keep seem to be failing and, do, and messing up and, uh, and he's, you know, he's basically angry a lot. When my Bible tells me the exact opposite, but I also, when I look at that story, I also see the exact opposite. I see man choosing to turn his back. I see man choosing to, to be uh, independent from God and I see God coming and looking. I see God coming. Where are you? I see man hiding himself. I see man being naked. And I see God coming and saying, hey, who told you that? It wasn't me. It wasn't God. So I want to say to you today, who's telling you the things that you're believing about yourself today? Because it's not God if it's not about love and who you are in Jesus Christ, that you are his son or his daughter Perfect in every single way. See, the reality is, friends, in order for us to understand the Word of God and to get this thing right, our lives are not the measuring stick of God's love. Our lives are not the measuring stick of God's love. The cross is the measuring stick of God's love. Jesus, for God so loved that He gave His only Son. The love of God, no greater love than this than a man would give up his life, surrender his life. The cross is the measuring stick for the love of God. You see, when we, when we have this understanding, then nothing can actually shake us. When we look at what he did on the cross and now love is secure, then we are secure and we're standing on the solid rock that I, he can't shake me. I know he loves me. It isn't a little flower pulling the petals. He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. Right? Because today, I asked him for this, I asked him for that, and he didn't answer, and he didn't give me that. So maybe he doesn't love me. That's very shaky ground compared to that. I've just got to look at the cross and go, Jesus, what you did on the cross 
for me, that shows you how much you love me. It's a done deal now. I am loved as an individual. And if I'm loved as an ind individual, I can embrace his love. And if I embrace his love, I can become love. When we, you see, when we see Jesus, uh, we see a man who came knowing that he was going to be rejected. But he still came. Because he came as love. See now, for us as the people of God, one of the challenges are is we do everything in our life to be accepted. See, but love is already accepted because we've already been accepted by the Father. So you actually can't reject unless I'm looking to you for acceptance. See, Jesus, he knew who he was, and he came in the authority of his identity as the Son of Man. He came in his authority as the love of God, right? John chapter 8, I think it's verse 14. He says, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. I'm not confused here in this journey. I don't need you to shape and mold and to tell me exactly who I am, how important I am, right? But in the life of the church, what we're doing is always looking, and even we, we, we come into the church, and we're even looking inside of the church to define and to shape our value, our identity, who we are. So we come in with uh, uh, looking for value. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking um, you know, for spiritual uh, ambition and, 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 and titles and, and status and what have you. And the challenge with all of that is when you come into the life of the church looking for that, there is the danger that you might not get it. And I don't want to put my life in other people's hands. Because if I don't get it, then I feel let down then because they didn't give it to me, that now begins to speak louder into my life as to my identity and who I am. So you know what? I came in here and I have an incredible preaching gifting and uh, they told me I was to sit down and not preach for six months. And that is the truth of my journey when I came into ministry. I thought I have arrived. I have a gift. And now, thank you. Put me in. Slot me. And he said, thanks very much. Just sit over there for six months. And then after that, he said, you know what, I, I, you can have the Sunday evening meeting, which was 30 people. And uh, in my arrogance, I said, for 30 people? <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> I mean, this, this gift for 30 people. <laughs> Something is wrong here. And God said, oh, good, okay, sit. Sit some more. And eventually, my bum got really sore from sitting. <laughs> and it reached into my brain. <laughs> and I suddenly realized, okay, Lord, I got it. I am nothing without you. My identity is found in you. I don't find it in anyone else. And God says, okay, I want you to speak to those six people. I'm like, really? I said sorry. <laughs> and he said, Sit some more. <laughs> yeah. And now, 
I get to preach every now and then. No, no I'm just joking. No. No. So, so it's, a, it's a mindset, friends, that's an old mindset from an old wineskin, from the old man, and it needs to change now that we've been renewed and that we have a new identity in God which is, not sh- which is not shaped by people. God has already given me who I am now in Jesus Christ, right? So I don't take anything else. That I didn't wake up this morning to, to have people acknowledge me and honor me and love me and say, you're good. If I'm based on that, then they're speaking louder to me than the truth, right? And grace, friends, let me just say this very quickly. Grace... John chapter 1. Grace and truth came. See, grace comes with truth. If you're in the wrong wicked and it's not truth, there's no grace for it. No wonder why you're struggling. No wonder why the church is up and down, dependent on whether people are acknowledging them, not acknowledging them, seeing them, not seeing them, helping them, not helping them. Our identity is all over the place and we're changing and shifting all the time. And now how are we supposed to be the expression of love? It just depends on my day whether I can actually be be that, right? So God wants to change all of that. See, I don't want anybody to be the reason for me not to be okay. That's a lie. You see, we we sing beautiful songs. We say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, but somebody else is Lord. Who's they dictating my life and whether I feel good, feel bad, or who I am. In Jesus, right? So you've got to ask yourself the question, why do we have to be hurt or broken? Because I'm in Jesus Christ, and my identity is found in Christ, and in Christ, I'm whole. I'm complete. I'm only hurt or broken because somebody else was allowed to speak, and that voice became louder than who I am in my life, right? And when it comes to, you know, the reality of, of, uh, of us, when we give our lives to Jesus and dying to ourselves, uh, can I say it's not much of a cost when you give up a life that was never meant to be yours, that was a life that was actually based on a whole bunch of other people accepting or rejecting me, to a life now that's based on Jesus Christ and His love for me. See, my identity is found here. It's not found here. It's found here. In God. Once I've found it in Him and I understand who I am in God, then it can never be shaken. And when it is shaken, I just go back to Him and I say, Lord, I am so sorry that I've allowed that thing to speak a little bit louder than it should have. Right? So why God's it's on a journey. It's a journey of relationship. Not right or wrong. We can make mistakes. We can allow voices to speak. We just come back to Him and, and, uh, and just bring ourselves back into alignment of who we actually really are. Begin to declare those things. And uh, that's where repentance comes in, by the way. It's the simple thing. Repent, metanoia. Change the way you think. Re, go back to pent, highest place, like a penthouse. Go back to the highest place. Go back to the truth. Go back to God. Uh, every single time something happens in my life, I just make the adjustment and I repent. Right? I hope I'm making sense here. How am I doing for time? Are we all good? Uh, See, when the Bible talks in, 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 in um, Ephesians 3 and it says we need to be rooted and grounded in love, 
How can you be rooted and grounded if every single time it's changing due to the circumstances and the situations in your life? But God wants us to be so rooted and grounded in His love that we cannot be shaken so that we can live out the, vi- the vision, the values, and the culture of the family of God, of the Word of God. Uh, when we're rooted and grounded, we're not a people that are fluctuating. It should not be or ought not to be this, that in the church today we still have very similar stats of brokenness, of divorce, of, of you know, relationships messed up, and all that bunch of stuff still sitting in the church. It means the church has not understood and realized who it is in Jesus Christ. It has not come into its full identity in God. We shouldn't be having that, those kind of challenges in the church, right? Thank you for that enthusiasm. Oh, praise God, I can see. <laughs> see, if love is never settled, then the Bible tells me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, that nothing else matters except faith working through love. You see, and if love is never settled, then my faith is in question and subverted because it's not, no longer operating through love. Now it's need-driven. So now you've got a whole bunch of people praying out of need, questioning God's love. And that's the challenge of the church. A lot of the people are praying out of need, and they're they're questioning the love of God. So for me to understand all of this and to come into the love of God is to understand a key... uh, aspect of the cross which helps me to know who I am in God, right? Are you interested now in what I'm about to tell you? Because I'm seeing faces. Okay, so let me say it like this. So Jesus comes along and he um, comes and breaks into time and he um, dies for our sins. Past, present, future, every single sin, one offering for all time, right? One offering. All time he dies for our sin. Okay. Now we come along as the people of God and uh, we get born again. We encounter him. We go, wow, I'm changed, delivered, set free. That's beautiful. That's another great word in Colossians chapter 1. Tells us we have been delivered out of darkness into his marvelous light. When are we going to stop listening to our feelings, our emotions, our circumstances and everything else and just believe the Word of God and just understand that I have been delivered out and into, out of darkness into His marvelous light. I'm not stuck up with a curse or a generational curse or chocho over my life. Um, um, my father or my uncle, whatever, was an alcoholic. Now I'm going to be an alcoholic. No, if your father was an alcoholic or your uncle was an alcoholic, it's a good uh, idea to stay away from alcohol. That would be a practical thing, right? But the reality is I got born again and I came into a new bloodline, right? A new bloodline in Jesus, royal bloodline. Everything that was in my bloodline, I understand. I understand generational curses because I understand generational curses from um, people that are not born again. I understand that. I understand, I understand the demonic, I understand the stronghold that it does have. But when I get born again, I come into a new bloodline. For me to believe... And not today, not tomorrow, not ever. For me to believe that that is able to jump over the blood of Jesus um, is, is yeah, it's that word times 
a lot. Um, the reality is, friends, that we stepped into something new. Now, the reason why people battle is, first of all, they sometimes they're faced with two things, repentance or it's faced with ignorance. So I can live like a cursed individual because of my ignorance, or if, I'm, if there's not a change of mindset and a change of understanding, see, I've got to believe this. Because believing, you see, we, we go, we go, well, my life is actually just a product of, of what's happened to me. No, your life is a product of what you believe. So you have to believe these things. So when I stand and I believe, I'm free. Then I realize, hey, listen, I don't need 17 different counseling sessions. I've been uh, transferred out of darkness. It's out. I'm out of darkness. I'm not one foot in and I slip every... And then what happens is, is now that I'm walking in the liberty and the freedom as a born-again believer, but I have been in some stuff in my life, but I've been delivered and set free. Because this is happening in the church now uh, lately, and it's got to stop. Um, not you guys. You guys are perfect. But, um, <laughs> but other people... Where it's got to stop is that people, um, the little things start coming back. I have flashbacks, you know. It's like, almost like, oh, I saw a naughty picture. It's like, um, I, You know, my past, I, I, I was exposed to, I did that stuff, you know. And then you go, well, but why are you accepting it as yours? Because you got your identity in God, and the thing came, and it violated, uh, it came into your mind, and, and suddenly it was uh, telling you now, and now we've got to say, listen, phone a friend, whatever, and that, let's go. We've got to go for 17 counseling sessions. Um, because the reality is now, look, you see, you're still not free. You need to get free. No, the truth will set you free. So know the truth. The truth is I've been taken out of darkness into his marvelous light, and it's been, it's a done deal. And when that thought comes or something comes along, I just go back into this rightful place of identity in God and say, that's not me. So you can take that little thing and shove it where it needs to go. And the reality is my mind has stayed on Christ. And when my mind has stayed on Christ, I'm at peace. It's stayed on Him. That's it's a scripture, by the way, Isaiah 26.3. Um, a mind that's stayed on Jesus. You don't have to worry. So, so now, am I being harsh on people? No, I'm not. I'm trying to say that at the end of the day, there is a lot more ministry that's happening in the life of the church that's not needed when simply the Bible says, just got to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when you understand this truth, then it just sets me free, and I will not accept. Because if I am, I have been delivered, then I will not accept that I need deliverance. Right? Now, I do understand there's sometimes a journey in people's lives where they've gone through certain stuff, and they might need some help, and, and understand that. Um, so don't get me wrong here, I'm not going to blow out the whole of the deliverance ministry. I'm, tr I'm, 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 I'm trying to get people to understand that the church needs to rise up in its identity and who it is in God. It doesn't need as much ministry as it needs to just believe of who it actually is. And it needs to just be love. And love, you see, when it's operating, when it's flowing, when love is flowing, it's, you, you can't stop love. So if he can get you to not operate in love. That's, that's his end game. So here's what happens is, Jesus goes to the cross and he forgives us of all of our sins, um, and now we get born again, and now we go along, and, um, and what happens is suddenly, boop, a bad fruit. And we go, whoa, bad fruit. Shh, phone a friend. I need to come back. Maybe I need to go back up and stand and, put my, and come walk to the front and get saved again. So the enemy, so, so it works. It works in the life of the church. I got saved about 
I don't know, 27 times when I was 13 years old. Every time I made an old call, I said, it must be me because I'm popping out wrong fruit. And, and obviously, but Matthew 7 tells us, Jesus said, a good tree cannot bear ba- bad fruit. We go, oh, here we go. Um, okay, now that's not good because then I can't bear a good tree because I'm bearing bad fruit. And then he goes on to say, okay, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And we go, oh, hey, okay, now I'm really confused because I do have some good fruit, you know, I've got something going for me. And now I'm really confused. And the whole point Jesus was making there, and if you understand, I haven't got time to go to it, but if you understand it, he's not talking about fruit, he's talking about a tree. And he's saying, if you'll understand, if you get a revelation that you're a good tree, then you won't bear bad fruit. There's a way to deal with sin here, and it's not to hit it straight on and to say, right, now I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to control, and I'm going to cope, and I'm just to, to deal with sin. Sorry, it's just it's blowing it. Um, it's actually to take your eyes off self-conscious, sin-conscious, and put your eyes on Jesus. And as we're looking unto Jesus, He's not only the author of the beginning, but He's also the finisher of our faith. A faith which is a perspective in Jesus Christ of the way we see life and the way we operate in life. Friends, whew, I was out of breath. Okay. Yes, amen. So what happens is now, when we're walking and something happens in our life, we need to come back into our identity in God and we need to begin to declare, don't let feelings and emotions override who you are and the truth of God's word. We need to come back into that place and begin to declare those things and say, that's not me. I'm not going to be sucked into identifying with that. That's the enemy just trying to get it. This is who I am. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm free and that's what I'm called to do, right? But now what happens is we do a bunch of stuff and it's not in line with our identity and now all of a sudden we start to feel guilty. And we start, have a drink. And then the enemy comes in, he wants to first now feel condemned. I'm so sorry, and you know, I'm a baddie, and this is what's happened. That's why, friends, I, I, I'm not a firm believer in dealing uh, with sin issues, uh, with uh, rules and regulations and control issues and stuff. I have done this. Um, when we were in Zimbabwe, there was a lot of pornography and stuff going on at the time. It was also because of the nature of the circumstance. Um, a lot of people were leaving the country, and, and marriages were breaking up. It was a mess, and what have you, and then so... You know, different people were getting married, and it was just, it was, a, it was, a, it was messy. And, um, and then you come into the life of the church, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with the men's ministry. I, I can encourage you, as we journey along, we're going to do some men's stuff. I, I learned a lot of understanding why truth always prevails and not clever man's ideas. We start to put things in place, and now you must hold me accountable now, so every single Tuesday you've got to bring me your computer. I'm going to look at your surfing, check out your, your history, see what's going on and what have you, and I'm going to phone you up, and blah, 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 blah. That's control, friends, and it's exhausting, and it never wins. See, those who are led by the Spirit of God will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There's actually a spiritual thing here of being led by the Spirit that's way more important. Surrendering, surrendering to Jesus than putting control in. It's about a relationship. If we invite you into that place of God's love where, where He has done everything for you and now you begin to buy in to an understanding of a relationship with a God who is way more loving than you'll ever think, who's not sitting there judging you, it changes the way you act. And, and then again, it's not about right or wrong. It's about a journey in Christ. Amen? 
So um, let me quickly get to this. So, so then regret, guilt, and condemnation come. And when regret and, and guilt and condemnation come, what they do is undermine and rob us from operating in what God's called us to, right? So then God comes along and says, okay, let me help you understand this. And I've got five minutes, five minutes to, to say this, so forgive me if, if it's just, sh- sh- I'm shooting fast. Okay, the reality is that's why he's the great I am, right? That's why when we have a look and we uh, read in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 3, um, and he tells us about the present and the future belongs to us, it's ours. He doesn't say anything about the past. That's why what can separate you from the love of God, Romans 8, right? He doesn't tell you about the past. So when I've committed or done something wrong, what, where is it? It's in my past. And if he's taking care of my past, and he's taking care of all my sin, then that must not be a voice that speaks into my present and into my future. If we can catch this, um, you know, I'll give you quickly scriptures, uh, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, Hebrews 10 verse 17, the Bible says, he remembers our lawless deeds no more. So if he remembers our lawless deeds no more, I can, when, if I do a deed that's wrong, that's a sin in God, the minute I do it, where is it? It's actually in the past, right? So the enemy wants me to now stop and say, in guilt and shame, whatever, and be directed by that, and he wants to sell us this lie that that's wisdom. That's earthly wisdom. No, no, that's how you learn. You learn by your mistakes. Really? Who told you that biggest load of smelly pile of something? It's not in the Bible, friends. It's not in the Bible. I'll tell you how you do learn. You learn by looking at Jesus' life. He's perfect theology. If it's not in his mouth and it's not in his life, it shouldn't be in our life. So when we look to him, we see and understand that what speaks now, he said, forgetting what lies behind. Pressing on to what? The high call of God. Looking unto Jesus. My whole focus now is what do I do? He's the author and he's the finisher. My job is to look unto Jesus. So for me, I just keep looking unto Jesus, not letting the past speak into my future because he's forgiven that and it says he's forgotten all of that. The Bible says he's no longer going to be angry. When God's looking at me, he's not looking at the sin I did five seconds ago. See, now this is freaking out minds, I and mean, I can feel it in the spiritual realm. But the reality is, friends, this is what I'm trying to say. We have to renew this mind that the way God operates is way different. And if we'll get over this and we'll begin to get into our identity, it does, we're not soft on sin, and it's not like we just blase and, oh, doesn't matter if I sin. No, because the grace of God comes to truth. You see, when I, when I, when I hear truth, when truth comes, and then when I apply faith to that truth, then grace comes to make that truth my reality right? So what's happening is I'm just aligning myself with truth and I'm allowing, now when I align myself with truth, the grace of God to come to enable me to walk in that. So now it's more a case of me standing in my authority, in my identity of who God has made me to be now, even though I've messed up right over here, I don't allow that to speak to me because let me say this, you can do nothing about your past, And if you learn one thing today, learn this thing. You can do nothing about your past. But you can do something about now and into your future. See, and that's why God wants to speak into your now and into your future. 
And what should speak now and into your future is love, because He is love. And He wants you now to become love. So now, when that speaks into my future, when I walk now and somebody does something to me, I'm not now going to jump on them. See, I, I read somewhere there was a nice story about this guy, King Yu. This guy had a whole bunch of debt, and this king forgave him of all the debt. And then he went out and he grabbed the, the one little oak that owed him a small amount, whatever, and, then, and threw him in jail. See, God doesn't give you something with an expectation that you just receive it and it's all good. He expects you to become that. He expects you to be transformed by that. He shows you mercy so you can become mercy. He shows you love so that you can become love. It's not so much, friends, we've got people around that might know this thing backwards, frontwards, upside down, right way up, and know everything. They know what the Word says, but it's more important has the Word become life inside of them. See, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's about the Word becoming living and active inside of our lives. We become the Word. So it's about being transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ. Now, when we transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ, now it is automatic that coming from love is a value system and a culture. So we don't have to label this and you go, oh, you better teach me about that. Peace? Oh, no, I don't know about that. Explain how that works. No, when, you, when you're standing in your, in your identity of love, you're totally at peace because God loves you and you're secure and that's a done deal. So I don't have to, my peace has never rocked because God has reconciled me now. So it's all good. See, the peace is now a great value, but it's coming out of a place of identity in God and a place of love, right? Uh, and then the culture just flows from love. It's a culture of love. That's why it's love lived out. Love, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love is patient. Love is kind. We could go through all the aspects of love here today and say, but the reality is um, if we're in Christ and in who He's called us to be, um, then these things flow from that, right? Amen. Shall we stand?